Welcome to King's Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about King's Church, visit kcnyc.org. You may be seated. I love this church. You know, uh, we've, been, we've been talking about, Pastor David and I have been talking about coming here. Uh, and I'm like, Pastor, I want to hang out with you before we, uh, you know, before I come and preach. So, you know, our wives have been friends. Our kids have been friends. Our kids are doing some transactions and doing business, uh, writing contracts. So I'm like, uh, you know, this just, just happened. We just hang in the other day at his house and, and this has happened. I believe we are in the right time at the right place in God's time. So this is what's happening. Well, well, well I, you know, if you see me, I'm, I'm, I'm a brown curry eating man. I tell people I am from the land of curry and I live in the land of hurry. Everybody in New York is in a hurry, right? You know, they're like, oh my God, can I have coffee with you? Bro, I got a slot open in Jan 2024. How about that? <laughs> so, so when I came to New York, I just said, you know, the Lord, let me just backtrack a little bit. God loves America so much, right? God loves America so much that he is now, you know, America being the greatest mission-sending, mission, uh, missionary-driven nation in the world has now become the greatest mission field. Yes. And he loves his nation so much that he's sending curry-eating Indians like us to get out of our nation, to come to this nation to serve this nation. So I feel tremendously honored to be here in this church. I love King's Church. I love the branding. I'm a big branding guy. Look at that guy, the cool guy at the back. He's got that, you know, the, the, the jersey on. He's got that. I mean, he's just speaking to me right now. That's it, bro. You got it. You got it. You know, so thank you for the hospitality, Pastor Bethany, all the hospitality team out here. We just love it. I'm here with my wife. Probably she cannot stand up at this point. But uh, let me tell you something. You know, we all married up. All the, all the married men in the, in the room, just wave your hands up. Amen. Guys, we are doing what we're doing because of our wives. Uh, you know, the Bible says one will chase thousand, two will chase ten thousand. Uh, you know, before our ministry was in about three cities. As soon as I got married, it just exploded uh, in the next 10 years into 184 cities around the world uh, because we married. And it is a covenant de decision, relationship that exponentially increases. So I'm just challenging all the single men and women in the room. It's, uh, it's a good time to get married. Find that girl. The Bible says, he who finds, sorry, uh, he who finds a, a husband or a wife obtains favor from the Lord. Need some favor? Guys, uh, time to get married. Amen. Find that girl. Find that man. And I want to say this is probably the second most important decision of your life after you follow Jesus. So, you know, you don't want to be in a rush, but you can start praying. You can start fasting. You can start getting prepared. I feel more people in America are concerned about the wedding, you know, what they're going to wear, the shoes, the decor, you know, the gifts, the honeymoon. Yo, that's just like this. Just gets over like this. And then the real, <laughs> then the real ride starts. So I want to I wanna challenge people in the room. I've had friends who've been fasting already. You know, they don't even know where their wife is. They don't know where their husband is. But they're praying and preparing. And in faith and expectancy, calling things that are not as though they were in faith. Amen. So uh, I love my wife. I love my kids. When I came to New York, we had two kids. And then the pandemic happened. I mean, the Lord called us as a missionary into the city, okay? And as soon as we landed, uh, the pandemic kicked in. And I was like, man, I made, I made the craziest decision of my life. Moving my family halfway around the world, from India to this cool city in New York, and then the next thing you know is you're, you know, locked down. Extrovert guy in an apartment, I don't know, you're gonna go crazy. Uh, so, uh, as I tell most people, when you put two people in a room together, during the pandemic, you make babies. So we had a th third baby uh, in the pandemic, uh, and now we are, uh, you know, we, we've been in, in Roosevelt Island, and uh, uh, we've been, uh, you know, just, just stepped out of the city right now into the suburbs because our boys have been, like, it's almost like kicking the walls. I'm like, we need some space right now. So that's a little bit about us. I grew up in a, uh, uh, can I tell some stories? Because, you know, I'm going to give you a five-point sermon that you're probably going to forget, like, like uh, on the way out, okay? But I think working with young people, I know that stories stick. 
So I grew up in a, uh, in a business kind of a home uh, where my dad was an alcoholic, my grandfather, great-grandfather, all of these guys in business. Uh, you know, my grandmother, I'm mean, just talking about reopening wells. My grandmother did a Bible study with the local queen uh, on a weekly basis. And every month, the whole family would do a, a whole event, like a worship event at the, at the palace. And then my, gran- my dad became an alcoholic, and he would, he would be drinking in a bar right opposite the church. And my grandfather was hosting Billy Graham and driving him around when he came to a little town. But nobody dared to tell my dad what he was doing is not right. Okay? Uh, and then my mom is now suspected of cancer. The word cancer still now in 2023 sends, uh, you know, like, like shivers down our spine. Oh my God, we have no idea. We're in 2023. We've got AI, we've got chat GPT, we've got everything, but we're still scared of the big word C. So my mom is, uh, uh, you know, this party pauper going from house to house. I mean, homes to home party. Just, just, just a fun loving lady staring at death right in front of her. And uh, uh, a couple of her business friends who were Catholics, they just came and pray, prayed for my mom. She just, uh, uh, and the next time she went for a checkup, they couldn't find what they thought was cancer. I believe God healed my mom. And just like Pastor David said this morning, God still heals. God still blesses people. You know, these days, the Lord just sends a lot of people. I and mean, one of the key things, healings that I've been seeing is wombs being opened like crazy. Like, you know, the last, I mean, a, a year ago, I was speaking at a conference and this couple walks up to me. This guy, I know him. He got saved in one of our outreach events back in the day. He says, listen, Pray for us. We can't have children. So in the car, we just prayed and said, in the name of Jesus, let that womb be open. And boom, uh, uh, you know, uh, over the last, the, the, uh, the next couple of weeks, they became pregnant. They just had their baby. It is real stuff. God, his name is Jehovah Rapha, which means he's a God that heals. Uh, uh, the second thing I want to say is that, uh, yeah, so where was I? So my mom uh, got saved and, you know, is on fire for the Lord. We're going from, you know, my mom's going from prayer meeting to prayer meeting. My dad hates all these pastors, all these Christian stuff. But we walk up into a revival meeting. Guys, revival meetings never get over on time. Did you know that? Right? So, so we got there to the meeting. My dad's like, all right, guys, we got here a little early. It's not getting over. Why don't you close your eyes? So I close my eyes and I have electric power going through my body. I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Nobody had to tell me about Jesus. Jesus is alive. I knew for a, for a moment that time that Jesus is alive. I gave my life to the Lord. My dad said he saw the change in my life. He said my wife could be faking it. My son wouldn't fake it. He gives his life to the Lord. My brother gives his life to the Lord. Now this whole family is on fire for Jesus, going from home to home to home. And many of the business homes in our locality that average pastors did not have access to were now getting saved. Let me tell you something. Let me stop right here and say, your faith is not meant to be private. It's not like a diamond ring that you, that you put in a locker out there. Man, your faith is not supposed to be private. It's supposed to be public. It's to share with people. I know I'm wearing a nice pair of shoes this morning, but let me tell you, I can't take the shoes to heaven. You cannot take your Upper East apartment to heaven. You cannot take your cool, uh, uh, you know, back to heaven. You cannot take your car to heaven. The only thing that you can take from this part of the world to the other side of the world. You know what that is? People. People. If you want to say evangelistic terms, souls. Souls. This is what matters to eternity. So if you would live life based on how eternity would look like, you would now be sharing your faith with everybody. Everybody. You know how it is? Like, you know, I was telling this morning a story about me sitting on a plane from New York to Dallas. Anybody know Southwest Airlines? Free seating, okay? So I got this, I mean, I was up in the line, walked in, I have this exit row seat. I'm like, yo! I'm praying in tongues. I'm saying, thank you, Jesus. The favor of God got me those extended, you know, extra room seats. And I'm just about to sit. And this young man comes and sits right next to me. I know he's been partying all night. I can smell it. Right? He sits next to me. Next, the guy, a girl, beautiful girl with the Louis Vuitton. Can I walk? I'm a walker. So is that, is, that, is that a problem with the camera, guys? You're good? All right. So listen, this girl walks in with the Louis Vuitton bag, fully ready to go to work. Okay? I'm getting close. Uh, and, and, and she sits right next to me. So I'm like, yo, looks like this is the day that I was thinking I'm going to sleep 
It, I, I don't think I will be able to sleep before they put on the headphones. Let me say hi. Say a hi. Say hi to them. He's a baseball player. She is an interior designer. Her dad is a senator, very influential guy. And for the next three and a half hours, guys, every flight, every light on that plane was off. Our light was on. I, I, I just asked, kept asking questions. And they just kept telling me answers. We were the noisiest bunch on that plane. And before the, la- the flight landed, I held both their hands, shared the gospel, prayed with them. Two weeks later, I get a group text. They started dating. Yo! And uh, six months later, the guy calls me up and says, listen, pray for me. I'm going to ask her out. And she says, yes, they're engaged. And then they call me and says, please, will you come and solemnize our wedding? Okay, so I go up there and man, this is like a flash out wedding. I mean, it's Texas. It's 250 guests. It's like, you know, bands. They change the decor. Uh, everything is Southwest. There's plane. I mean, there's seats from Southwest. Every room's got snacks from South. It's a, it's a theme. Everybody's got captain's hat and all that. So this news goes viral on the internet, okay? CNBC, NBC, all that places. And finally, it reaches Southwest, and Southwest finally calls it top five stories in 50 years of flying. And in mainstream media, apart from Pastor David, you know, this news about Jesus got amplified. The Indian pastor prayed and shared Jesus with this couple, and this is how the wedding happened. Yo, it's time to share your faith. It's time to share the gospel with somebody. Can I do a quick five-minute evangelism training? Is that okay, pastor? Guys, okay? With a cool jacket? Yo, all right. So my my mentor, Dr. Rice Brooks, came up with this acronym called SALT. Everybody say that with me, SALT. Salt. I'm from India. I just need some response. SALT. Come on, people. Is everybody with me? Okay, is everybody with me? Okay, good. All right, so SALT is the word, acronym for SALT. S Start a conversation every time you go somewhere. Before that guy puts on headphones next to you on that plane. You sit on that plane, mostly we're checking out whose shoes is better, whose laptop is better, whose phone is new. Uh, you know, check all that stuff. But before they put that headphones, that's that moment. Once you put on that headphone, it's gone, right? So before they put that headphone, you say, yo, hello, hi, how are you doing? This is me, uh, you know, yo, uh, how are you doing? And just start that conversation. So S is for starting a conversation. A of salt is for asking questions. Christians love to talk. We love to preach. We love to share about everything that's happening. My pastor spoke this, thus saith the Lord, five scriptures. No, 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 hold it there. Start a conversation, just ask questions. So what about you? So I'm asking this couple, what about you? So what do you do? She's like, I'm an interior designer. What about you? I'm a baseball player. So we just have these crazy questions, just me asking questions and they keep asking you know, telling me the story. So third is L, is to listen. Very important. 80% of the people that go to a therapist, they want somebody to listen. That's why God has given us two ears and one mouth. Okay, you got to listen. Listen to what they're saying. Listen like you look at their, you know, you look, look them in the eye and you're listening. Tell them, affirm them that you're listening, active listening. And then T, that's when they ask you, so what about you? I'm like, yo, that's the moment I've been waiting for. And I get to share my story. And I, 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 I just did that. The other day I was on a plane. I was on an unusual plane on a JetBlue plane. I'm like, you know, I don't like JetBlue. I mean, no, no offense, but just that I'm a Delta guy. I'm not getting any points. I don't have lounge access. I'm cribbing like a New Yorker. And I'm just saying, listen. And then this guy sitting next to me. So I'm like, okay, I'm the evangelist here. Start, start a conversation. Ask questions. Listen. Tell your story. Share the gospel. Lay hands and pray. And we, before we land the plane, he gives me his card. He's a vice president for JetBlue. We've had lunch after that. We've had conversations. We, we share each other things that are happening. So you never know. The next Billy Graham is in front of you. If you would share the gospel, the next mayor of New York, next president of America is sitting next to you and they need to hear the gospel and they haven't heard the gospel because you haven't. Shared it. I'm telling you, the fear of man is a trap. The Bible says the fear of man is a snare. The snare is the rat trap. Think about it. It's like the devil puts you in that trap, making you feel, what will the other guy think about you? You are never going to see that passenger who's sitting next to you ever possibly in your life. Then why are you holding back from not sharing your faith? 
So I'm challenging people in the room. King's Church, you've already done it. You've killing, you know, you're on headlines and news and, you know, pastors famous and, you know, everybody's singing subways and everybody, every pastor in New York like, yo, man, we got to change the game now. <laughs> we got to go to the subways now. So you guys are doing it. But I'm saying it's not just the priesthood of one, but it's the priesthood of all. Every man a minister. Every person here in this room can share your faith. And when you do that, you get brownie points in heaven. Amen? So, uh, so that is it. So my, my responsibility, so we got saved, family, blum, blum, blum. And then now, uh, you know, I, I keep telling people, you can count the number of seeds in an apple, but you can never count the number of apples that will come out of a seed. Right? So I began to share my faith. I said, God, I got to share this to people. So lo and behold, the Lord uh, dropped in this. I don't know if you had the, script, the, the, the slide out there. Ended up starting a ministry uh, that reaches out to youth in cities. So in the last 17 years, we've been to over 3 million students in 184 cities around the world sharing the gospel. Like last weekend, our team is in front of 3,000 students in India heard the gospel. Two weeks before that, another 10,000. And in America, we're focused on sharing this gospel with college students. I tell people, there was this beautiful girl who was on fire for Jesus and who wanted to go. The dad said, you know, why don't you go to ORU? Or you go to Liberty. She said, no, I want to go to uh, uh, UNC Chapel Hill. He said, okay, fine. She goes to UNC Chapel. He says, I want to win this campus for Christ. I want to turn this campus upside down. Six weeks later, she calls up her dad and says, I don't believe in Jesus anymore. This is what the campus is doing to kids in America. 70% of the kids from Christian homes that make it to a college campus, they lose their faith. And I want to tell you something. You better start praying about this. Pray for us as we go out there. We're using the greatest crisis on campus, which is mental health, and turn it into the greatest gospel opportunity by using that to share the gospel with music, mental health, and Jesus. So be praying for us. Pray for us. Uh, and now let's get into the Word. Let's get everybody, uh, you've been sitting now, just let's get, uh, rise up and read the Word together. Genesis 26. Genesis 26. Let's read from verse number 1. All the way to verse number 6. Can we do that together? Yes. With the curry anointing. Let's go. There was a famine in the land. Besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham and Isaac, king of the Philistines in Gerar. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants I give all these lands, and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands, and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws, so Isaac dwelt in Gerar. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I declare freedom in this room. I declare every eye to be open, every ear to be open, every heart to be open, and let the word of God that I declare as your servant, your, your mouthpiece, Father, will be released and bring forth a harvest, a hundredfold harvest, breakthroughs in their lives, in this church, in the city, in the nation, and in the nations of the world. And we declare it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Guys, what do you do when you are in the middle of a crisis. Isaac is in the middle of a crisis. He is in the land where there is famine, right? We just finished some crisis here in New York, in America, around the world with the COVID scenario. What do you do as a, as a child of God when you're faced with crisis? Most people, when they're faced with crisis, they just start looking at their Insta Reels and their TikToks and their not Twitter feeds, like, yo, X feeds. Uh, I don't know who came up with this viral idea. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, the branding guys are like going crazy. What just happened right now? Okay, so Twitter feeds, TikTok, Insta Reels, and you're just looking at what everybody else is doing. Everybody's wearing masks. Okay, everybody's taking the shot. Let's go. Everybody's leaving New York. Let's go. And now you're trying to leave the city. You want to go to Franklin, Tennessee, where the taxes are low, where the houses are big. You want to go to Florida where you have the sandy beaches. 
You want to go to Texas where the stakes are big, the land is big, the houses are big, and everything seems to be good on the other side. As a child of God, you do not make decisions based on market trends. You don't look at MSNBC and make investment ideas. You seek the face of God. Seeking God's face is not the last resort. It has to be your, come on kings. Come on kings, talk to me. Is that your last resort or is your first resort? It's got to be your first resort and sometimes it has to be your only resort. Because every time the Bible says, those who look up to me, they will be radiant and will be put, I mean, your faces will, you know, you will not be put to shame. Your faces are radiant. That means the opposite is every time you look at people, you will be put to shame. So this morning, I'm challenging people in this room. If you're in the middle of a crisis, I'm telling you, look at somebody and say, thank God for crisis. Thank God for crisis. Because in the Chinese, all the Chinese people look at me, I'm, I'm hope I'm getting this right. In the Chinese dictionary, the word crisis means opportunity. Every time they read crisis, they're like, yo, opportunity. Crisis, opportunity. Crisis, opportunity. My title of my sermon is, there is an opportunity in the middle of your crisis. There is an opportunity in the middle of this crisis. So you're in the middle of a crisis. Your boss is screaming at you. You feel like you lost your job. You feel like you're going to lose your house. You don't have money to pay rent. You don't have money to take care of your kids' education. You don't have, you have crisis at all levels. Your, your girlfriend just ditched you. Your boyfriend just ditched you. You were just about to get married. Somebody pulled the plug. You don't have enough money to, uh, to you don't have enough money and credit to move into your next property. You have crisis everywhere. But, thank you, Jesus. The holy whisper, right? When you are faced with crisis, you seek the face of God. My friends, when is the last time that you fasted? King's Church. Anointed. I think all the good looking men and women are in this church, Pastor David. But I'm challenging you. When is the last time that you fasted? Not the cool fasting. Not the intermittent fasting. Not the 20, what a 22 hour fasting. Not the sugar free fasting. Not that fast. I'm not talking about that. Fasting by seeking the face of God. Fasting is not about changing God's hand. Fasting is not about twisting God's hand. Fasting is about, right this, changing you. It's about killing this flesh. This flesh loves a lot of things, wants a lot of stuff. Oh, guys, I'm telling you, American life is about stuff. It's about more stuff. I mean, you thought your apartment was small, you moved into a house. I don't know from where this stuff is coming. It's more stuff everywhere. And the devil makes you on a rat race to run after getting that stuff. And that stuff, you can't take it nowhere. So this morning, I'm challenging you. Will you seek God's face? Will you put fasting on the priority of your life? On my calendar, Mondays are fasting days. My wife knows it. But I'm telling you, every Monday, she cooks the best curry in the world. On Monday. And the smell, the aroma, you know what I'm saying? It just rises up in the rooms. It makes me feel like today's a day. Lord, I'm, I repent. I forgive. You know, forgive me. I'm going to break my fast today because the curry is too good. But you kill that flesh. You see God's face. You know, I have a mentor, a mentor of mine reading the New Testament every week, cover to cover. How does he do that? He's got those Bose headphones, those glasses. He's reading it all the time. He's got the ear pods on. Making, seeking God's face is such an important thing. Is everybody with me? So in crisis, you don't look at the trend because the scripture says everybody was going to Egypt. Egypt is, symbolizes the ways and the patterns of the world. The scripture says we are in this world, but we are not of this world, right? So I want to tell you something, seeking God's face, reading his word. The, uh, you know, early this year, I got challenged. I'm, I got to step up my fasting life. Pauline way of Christianity is about two days of fasting. I'm like, all right, Monday and Tuesdays, I'm going to fast. Because get, guess what? Let me just tell you something. The key for breakthrough for every person out there, they feel like if you want to get a, 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 a promotion, you take your boss out uh, and, and buy some drinks for them. 
or, or, or do some favors for somebody or do things, uh, uh, this and that. But the scripture says for us, children of God, promotion doesn't come from the east or the west. It comes from the Lord. And one thing I learned in my life is the way to a life of acceleration is through a way of alignment. So my formula is alignment equals acceleration. If you want to see acceleration in your life, you got to align. How do you align? It was an 11-day trek to the promised land. How many days? 11-day trek to the promised land. How many years did it take? Guys, they went around in circles. I mean, it's like me going down to Philly, like walking up to Philly. It took me like 40 years to get to Philly. You crazy? That's exactly where we are. We are going around in circles. So let's keep going. We're still in verse number one. There was a famine in the land and, and the Lord spoke to him, do not go down to Egypt. Every time you see God's face, most probably the voice of the Holy Spirit is more like the voice of your wife. Hallelujah. And the voice of the Holy Spirit is mostly contrary to what you hear in the world. It's probably contrary to the market trends, right? When everybody was leaving town, God spoke to me, dude, I called you here, you stay here and I will bless you. And guess what? We just bumped up our apartment. We were from two bedroom, one bath to three bedrooms, two baths by the East River with no rent increase. And we had the craziest breakthroughs in the pandemic and not of the pandemic. With the most amount of financial increase, with the most number of, like I did a project here in the middle of the crisis I was going around. See, guys, listen. Let me tell you something. When you are in crisis, number one, you pray. You pray. Come on, guys. Look at somebody and say, you start praying. You start praying. When you are in crisis, start praying. If you have the gift of speaking in tongues, you speak in tongues. I was like, I was one month from being totally broke. Right? One month of money left with two kids and a, and a kid on the way. And I'm like, Lord, did I do the craziest thing? So guess what happened? I got on the ferry from Roosevelt Island all the way to Wall Street, prayed all over the city. Lord, I don't know what I'm, what I'm doing, but you got to do some. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 6. Seek the peace of the city. When the city is blessed, you will be blessed. And when I was doing that, the Lord gave me an idea to do a song in the middle of the pandemic, to bring all the churches together. The New York blessing. I was like, Lord, I'm a new guy in the block. I don't know anybody. But I listened and obeyed. And guess what happened? Over 100 churches came together on that project and that song went viral. Over half a million uh, views. Every Christian channel, media channel in the, in the country started writing about it. Christianity Today, uh, Charisma, all of that. Why did that happen? Because when you were in crisis, you knew that it was an opportunity and you began to pray into it. I love Vincent Churchill's quote, do not waste a good crisis. Look at somebody and say, don't waste a good crisis. Don't waste a good crisis, all right? Stay in the land, and the Lord, uh, you know, God spoke to him, and, and, and this, this happened. And, and the scripture says, I, Isaac, verse number six, Isaac stayed in Gerar. We've got to keep going, all right? Let's go quickly to verse number 12. What do you do when you're in crisis? You see God's face. Number two, what do you do when you're in crisis? The scripture says in verse number 12, Isaac sowed in famine and reaped a hundredfold. Every time I go through a famine in my land, a crisis in my land, I'm like, God, what do I know that if I need a harvest, I need to sow somewhere. You are sitting here because somebody shared the gospel with you. Somebody sowed that seed and you said yes, and that's why you are here today. So there is no harvest without sowing. So sometimes I wake up in the morning, I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like I'm in the best mood, but I'm, I'm like, I got some seed. God has given me the gift of faith. God has given me the gift of prophecy. God has given me the gift of encouragement. God has given me the gift of praying. So guess what? I, I just say, God, who do I need to call in the morning and pray? Let me call four people and encourage them. And I ask the Lord and he gives me names. I call them, cold call them sometimes. They're like, yo, you call me in the right time. I was in the middle of a crisis. That prophetic word, that word, that prayer changed my life. Launched a new business. So there are days when these hands were laid on people and people got healed, people got delivered, people got demons came out. But some days, the same hands are on my own head. And I'm saying, Bonnie, get up from that bed. God's hand is on you. You are prophesying over yourself. Can you do that, guys? Yes. Prophesy over yourself God's word, God's promises, and say, no, 
There's some more promises left. You know why? Because God cannot change. He's unchangeable. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Numbers chapter 23 says, He is not a man. He's not your boyfriend that changes word. He's not your boss that withheld that promotion. He's not that friend who dished on you. The Bible says he's not a man that he should lie, not the son of man that he would change his word. If he says he will do it, will he not do it? Come on, sister. Come on, somebody say hallelujah to that. Give me that Indian hallelujah. Come on. Numbers 23, God is unchangeable. If he says he will do it, he will do it. Amen. So guess what happened? You got to find, you got to have some sort of seed in your hand. You are a consultant. Do some free consulting. You are a coaching guy. Do, what do you have? Seeds in your hand, right? This is a seed of coaching. I'm going to coach somebody for free. I'm investing into people because I need a breakthrough. I don't know what I need to do. I need to sow some seeds. And this is not a prosperity message because, and I want to just say that, but if you do not sow, you will not reap a harvest. Somebody that I called and prayed, prayed with, they said, you know what? I know this guy that'll open this door for you. And boom, Penn State University opens up because of that one call that I had a prayer with somebody. You never know who you're going to touch when you do that. Sometimes it's a financial seed. So here's a lesson that I learned. You have a need, right? You have a need and you look in your bank account and you're like, what I have in my hand is not matching the need that I have. What do I do? What I have in my hand now becomes the seed. And what do I do in this with the seed? My friend Adam Dorso says, you don't, God gives seed to the sower, not to the hoarder. So you take that seed and not put it in the locker. You go and like sow it everywhere. So about two months ago, God spoke to me from the scripture one day and says, you know, Joshua, you know, Joshua chapter one, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore you, Joshua, get across and cross over the land. I'm like, Lord, this is my word. We've been praying and asking the Lord, when is the right time to move out of the city? My boys need some room. So this is it. So we're waiting on this. And then after that, we watch a movie, a secular movie. We're watching uh, Ray Charles' movie. In the middle of all that's going on, Ray Charles just stops and scene changes. He picks up the Bible and starts reading. Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore you, Joshua. I'm like, okay, Lord, I got it. I got it. You're speaking to me even through movies. So we left our house with a 30-day notice in, in the city. And the Lord spoke to us, sell everything that you have and give up everything that you have. Just take two things. So we had two bar stools and a coffee maker and a lamb. That's it. And we gave everything. So now I don't have a house. I don't have furniture. I don't have an address. And my kids' school that we're going into are calling and asking us, what is your address? We want to send the textbooks. We want to send the uniform. And I'm like 30 days down, 20 days down. I'm like probably one of the darkest. I was telling Pastor Dave, it's one of the darkest seasons of my life. And I'm not just, I'm not just telling you stuff that I, somebody else, this is fresh off the oven. Like this is what happened about two weeks ago. Okay. So I'm like, Lord, you told me this zip code, 11545. This is a place that we need to move. I'm praying all over this place. I'm praying for two hours one day, desperate. Lord, you got to show up because you spoke to me. And guess what happened? And the Lord began to ask me, what do you have in your hand? What is the seed that you need to put? So I went to this church, this church that I go, I'm, I'm visiting. There was this lady from another church and she's going on a mission trip to Thailand. And I just went and connected with her and said, you know, we'll love to stay in touch. And that day morning, I'm, asked, I'm saying, God, where do I sow a seed? Because what I have in my hand is not going to meet the need before me. I need a lot of money to move and I don't have the money in my hand. What do I do? The Lord says, go sow the seed. So guess what happened? This lady pops up in my mind. I met her once. So I find her number, email her, text her. And she says, yeah, you know, I said, God's been speaking to me. We got to send you, we got to send you a love gift. God's been speaking. She said, yes. So I, we, we do the money transfer. The next day morning, she wakes up and calls me up in Thailand time and says, you know, I've been trying to buy a car out here in Thailand. And I don't have the money. And the Lord said, you step out in faith and I will provide for you. And the money that we sent to her was exactly the money she needed to buy her car. Praise the Lord. So my wife is like, okay, one thing we got it right. Somebody <laughs> needed money. <laughs> so we got the money. So we've been the great delivery agent in between to give that money to them. 
Now God has got to do, do a breakthrough. Out of the blue, when we were looking for property, I get a call from my friend. He's like, what's happening? You know, I'm like, you know, we want to go here, but we, we can't afford it uh, because so we're looking at this spot. And we go out for lunch. And out of the blue, he sends me a text. Here is 10 grand for your next assignment that you need. And that's exactly that I, what I needed. And he said, this is for you, unsolicited. I didn't even tell him about the money situation. He said, this is money for you. And you're not going backwards. You're going forward. I'm like... In the lunch table, I'm like, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Then I saw, I, so I, I call my agent. I got energy. I'm calling up my agent, like fix up that house, go. And then I come back to Delaware. And I'm like, what have I gotten into? My financial commitment every month has just gone up. The moment that I'm thinking about it right then, I get an email from my office and says, we received a card and a check in the mail. And I'm like, who's that? And it's a card from a person that I've met once in my entire life. Okay? Once. And I'm looking at the check and I'm counting the zeros. I cannot believe the check that was sent because this is not a Wall Street person. This is a mother of two kids that sacrificially heard the voice of God and responded and sent a check, which was sent about a week ago, but it landed on the right day that I was thinking, God, will I make it? And boom, the money came in. So what am I trying to say? You sow your way out of a famine. When you are in crisis, you find out, what do I have? I have some food. Oh, guess what happened? Let me go bless a neighbor. I got some, I got some uh, uh, whatever you have, clothes. Guys, it's easy for me to give away money. But when God asked me to give away clothes, I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> I went to that store like five times. I looked for that deal like for two hours and I got it. And you want me to give away that jacket? You kidding me, Jesus? But whatever you have in your hand, if you don't sow it, you will not. The Bible says, Isaac sowed in famine. Verse number 12. And in the same year, reaped a hundredfold. All the Wall Street bankers. They're like, dude, this is the best fund in the world. <laughs> you put a seat down and you got a hundred, hundred X breakthrough. All right, so... When in crisis, number one, you see God's face. You fast and pray. You align yourself. You say, God, what do you want me to do? Which decision do you want me to take? You take a decision not based on what other people tell you. You take a decision based on what tell God tells you. And then you obey. And you see the break. Number two, when you're in crisis, you sow a seed. You sow your way out of famine. It must be money, clothes, car, vehicles. I have a friend of mine who loves to give away cars. Like, he's like, three years down, he's like, all right, I'm finishing my car three years. I'm not going to, I'm going to sell it. I, I want to give it to somebody. He loves, all his cars he gives away. There's an anointing upon certain people to give certain things to certain people. Right? Uh, uh, but let's go, let's keep going. Is everybody with me? Guys, guys, you want to be blessed in the crisis, you're going to see this breakthrough happening. Keep going. Isaac moved away from there. Every time you feel like there is a breakthrough, guys, you are either in a crisis or you are coming out of a crisis, or you are about to get into a crisis. So Isaac just came out of the crisis. He said, yay, I got hundredfold. I become rich. I become prosperous. The scripture began to say, uh, verse number 12, uh, it says, a man became rich, verse number 13. And his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. He had so many flocks, herd servants, and the local king is like, dude, you become so influential, the king is getting scared of your blessing. You become so influential, all right? So let's keep moving. The third piece is the fact that Isaac goes and digs new wells. Now I'm prophesying over this church. Your mandate as a believer, as a member of this church, is to reopen wells and dig new wells. Say that with me. Reopen wells and dig new wells. Say that again. Reopen wells and dig new wells. So guess what happened? Isaac goes and reopens his father's wells, right? Because Abraham had wells and the enemy had come and closed it. So now God is asking Isaac to go reopen those wells. Now, where are we right now? We're in downtown, okay? September 23rd, like yesterday, about 100 years ago, 1857, I believe, a young man in the middle of the crisis where 30,000 men in New York City were unemployed, 
one of the major financial crises of New York City. A man said, I forgot, a lamp here. He said, I want to invite. He, so he goes out for three weeks, advertises everywhere he knows, stores, people, places, and asks people to come for a prayer meeting. And on that day at 12 o'clock, he showed up. Nobody showed up. 12.10, nobody showed up. 12.20, five people show up. And guess what happened? He continues to do that. And the next 18 months, over 10,000 people in New York gave their lives to the Lord because of this prayer meeting. Over 300,000 people were in and off coming to this prayer meeting. And in the 18 months, over 1 million people, because New York became the influential city, over 1 million people heard the gospel and got saved because of one person doing that. So what am I trying to say? Your mandate as King's Church is to go reopen that well. The enemy has come and closed that well. He has closed that well of Mr. Lampier, the Fulton Street Revival that the world talked about. It was just right next door. And you as a King's Church, your mandate is to now take the rubbles off and to reopen the Father's wells. Another man, Dr. A.B. Simpson, 150 years ago, was a presbyter for a very influential Manhattan church. He resigned and the Lord spoke to him, I want you to reach the nations and I want you to reach the marginalized people in New York City. And he starts a ministry with a vision, the whole gospel to the whole world. 150 years ago and now thousands of ministry, missionaries from around the world that became the Christian Missionary Alliance. And about a month ago, the university had to shut down. So what is King's Church mandate? To go, can I hear somebody? What is your call? You got to reopen those wells. And Isaac also did the same, next thing. He dug new wells. So guess what happened? He went to dig the first well. Are you with me, people? Uh, Isaac's servants dug in the valley, verse number 19, discovered a well of fresh water there. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen and said, this water is ours. So he named the well Esek. When you go on this mission to dig some new wells, to attempt some great things for the Lord, to believe God, the Bible says, ask of me and I will give you the nations and the ends of the earth as a possession. Your vision is so stretched. Now you want to do some great things for the Lord. And guess what happened? The enemy comes and pulls the plug on the building. Amen. Am I talking to the church, right church here? When you're trying to do something for God, you end up in a place where somebody else is quarreling. Somebody else is taking you. You believe in God for promotion. Somebody else is playing politics there. You believe in God for something. Your mother-in-law is uh, getting mad at you. You believe in God for something. Your wife is getting mad at you. You're going through all kinds of crises. But guess what Isaac did? Say this with me. Isaac kept on digging. So look at somebody and say, keep on digging. When crisis comes, what do you do? When somebody comes after you, what do you do? When somebody is after you for your life, what do you do? When you lose your house, what do you do? You don't get offended. Every time you get offended, it is a sign that you still got some flesh to kill. You're getting offended with people. I'm like, okay, I need to fast one more day. Sorry. I need to fast a little more. I want to kill this flesh again a little more. You don't focus on your offense, on people offending you or people coming against you. The enemy comes in like a flood, the Bible says, but the Lord raises up a standard, right? Somebody said, you got to change the, the correct the sentence. When the enemy comes in, comma, the, like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard. So what do you do when the crisis hits and when you're trying to do something, you keep on Let's go to the next verse. Isaac reopened the wells that Abraham had dug. All right, here we go. The water is ours, so he called. Then they dug another well. And they quarreled over that one also, so he called it Sitna. Well, number one, you got a problem. Somebody's coming after you. And you keep on digging. And you go to the next well. You dug, you got water. It's a process to dig those wells. You go to the second well. And again, the enemy is coming after you. And then, this is a word for King's Church. Are you ready? Yes. Verse number 22. He moved on from there and dug another well and no one quarreled over it. He named it Rehoboth, 
saying, now the Lord has given us room and we will flourish in the land. So my word for King's Church is, God is saying, wide open spaces. Wide open spaces. Because the enemy came to take the last one out, you kept on digging. When the enemy came to take the second one out, you kept on digging. And then you move to well, well number three. Rehabeth. The Lord has given me room and he will flourish in the land. I'm looking at people. My sister, I'm telling you, God's going to give you wide open space. I just feel that sense, that prophetic word so strong for you. The Lord is giving you wide open spaces. In fact, the scripture from Isaiah 54 is coming. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Whatever you've been confined into, the Lord is saying, break those fences. And dream beyond your imagination because the scripture says, He will do exceedingly, abundantly, more than we can ask or imagine. Guys, listen, we have some crazy imaginations. Yes or no? But the scripture is saying, I'm going to go beyond your wildest imaginations. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 9. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, not even the heart of man has conceived what God has in store for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. This morning, King's Church, I'm saying, are you ready for wide open spaces? Are you ready for Rehoboth? The season where God is saying, I'm giving you wide open spaces and you will flourish in the land. If you believe it, say amen. amen. And people in this room, you feel this word was for you. I'm going to give you a response in, in, in less than two minutes. But before that, let me just say, guys, I'm from India. And we have 33 million gods in India. Right? That's what they say. Everybody, every god, every person out there is trying to reach God somehow. They crawl on the floor. They climb up a mountain. They dip themselves in a river thinking that something that they do is going to get them saved. And then I'll read the Bible the greatest love story. It is not God about, it's not about man trying to reach God. The Bible says, God came down to earth. He loved me and you so much that he went on the cross to die for you. He loves you more than your boyfriend. He loves you more than your girlfriend. He loves you more than your father, your mother, your sister, your brother. He loves you with an everlasting love. And because he loved, he went on the cross to die for you. I don't know who that person is in this room who needs to hear that you are loved. You are loved unconditionally. And if you're worried about all the junk that you've done in your life in the last many years, God is saying, I'm going to press the shift delete button on your life. It's going to be gone forever. I'm going to give you a brand new start. And if that is you in this room and you say, yes, I want a brand new start. I want to ask Jesus to come into my life. I want him to be the Lord and Savior like I did many years ago and my life changed. If that is you, if you're in this room, I want you to stand up wherever you are and say, yes, that is me. A bold step of faith and say, that is me. And maybe somebody in this room will say, yes, I've been walking away from God. I need a fresh touch from God. I want to walk back again with God. I want to walk in communion with God. I want to walk line with God. I want to walk in His ways. And if that is you, I want you to stand up, lift your hands, do something right now to say that, yes, that is me. Is anybody in this room like that? I'm hoping. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Anybody else? Come on, give it up for this young man right here. Anybody? We're going to give you one more minute. One more minute for you to respond. Jesus loves you. And he was a bright, bright plan for you. His ways are higher than you. His, his plans are higher than you. If you would give him a chance. If that is you, where you, wherever you are, watching me online, today is the day Jesus wants to come into your life and give you a brand new start. Come on, anybody else in this room want to give you a brand new start? I want to recommit your life. Stand up wherever you are. Because we're going to pray with this young, young man, everybody. Jesus! Repeat this prayer with me, everybody. Jesus! I know that I'm a sinner. But today, I believe that you died on the cross for me. By the blood of Jesus, all my sins are washed away. Jesus, come into my life. Make me a new person. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a big shout of praise. Give me a high five. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Now, this is a response. If you felt that this was the word from the Lord for you, there is an opportunity in the middle of the opposition that is going through. There is a breakthrough that is coming your way. That wide open spaces, if that was the word that God spoke, 
I want you to step up wherever you are. We're going to pray and worship right now. And I want you to pray and come forward right now. If this was your word, there's going to be a moment as we get the worship team here. Come on, sister. Come on here. If you felt that this was your word, come forward. We're going to pray, lay hands on you. We're going to release a word over you. We're going to pray and break through over you. We believe this is King's Church. This is a season of wide open spaces. Lord, I pray for a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, the Lord says, this is a word that's coming up. Isaiah 43, 80 and 19. Forget the former things. Do not hold on to the past, sister. The Lord is about to do a new thing. New roads, new rivers, new doors, new opportunities. I release it upon him in the name of Jesus. I pray in Jesus' name. Come on, ministry team. Just pray over these people. Come forward, brother. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, come down. Lord, brother, come here. I feel the Lord is giving you some ideas. He's going to amplify your space in the entrepreneurial space. The Lord is saying, I'm giving you ideas. I'm going to give you capital. You're going to invest into organizations. You're going to invest into capital. You're investing into uh, young entrepreneurs. I pray in Jesus' name, whatever that has been hidden, whatever that he's been shy, whatever he's been fearful about, Lord, I pray for boldness in the name of Jesus to step out in faith, to do what God is asking him to do because there is history waiting on the other side. I release that word in Jesus' name. I pray over the sister right now. Fresh wave of the Holy Spirit coming upon you. Receive the touch of the Holy Spirit. Come on, come on, come on, come on. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. The Lord says, assist the season. The season of crying is over. The season of waiting is over. You know, though the, the though the, though the, there was there was waiting in the night, there is rejoicing coming over you in this season. Lord, I release fresh joy, fresh anointing. Oh Lord Jesus, I thank you, Father, for this couple. In Jesus' name. What do you want? Hey, thanks for listening to today's podcast. Acts 2027 20, says, For I have not hesitated to proclaim the whole counsel of God. And that's something that we're trying to do at King's Church. We're trying to steward God's word and share it to a generation. If you want to partner in us sharing the whole counsel of God's truth, please text KCNYC to 77977 and partner with us here at King's Church to get God's message, his whole counsel, all over the place on podcasts and on radio and around the world so believers like you would be encouraged. Thanks.